1: This is an ABC podcast. She's a dominant force. If there is a weak spot out there, she can actually turn that around and use it to your advantage. At the top of the goal square, she kicks it. She snaps a
2: spectacular tumbling goal. And the Sermon, groundbreakers,
3: history makers. This is the Outer Sanctum on ABC Radio. Welcome to the Outer Sanctum for another week. Footy never fails to give us much to discuss and this week, of course, is no exception. We are thrilled to be here to celebrate the history-making AFLW finals. But the biggest story of the week, of course, is from AFLW. You would have been hard-pressed to miss it. It is a story right in our wheelhouse. I am your host, Emma Race, and to discuss and dissect and to get finals fever, I am joined by my football-loving Sanctum sisters as always and and is customary. I will let them take the roll call.
4: Woohoo! <laughs> hi, it's Lucy Race here.
3: Oh, hi, Lucy Race. It's Kate Sear here. Nice
0: to meet you. Hi, Kate. Nicole Hayes here. Hi, Nicole. I'm Felicity Race. Oh, we have <laughs>
3: real finals fever. You're all giggly <laughs> and excited. Like Christmas. It is like Christmas for us. We've got a massive show for you today. Coming up, the AFL-M season kicked off this week, of course, and, but it was the signature kicking style of Taylor Harris and the AFLW community, which was the lead Story. It's been an interesting week, Nick. Social
5: media has lifted our spirits but disappointed us (laughs) somewhat. It sure has, but it's been pretty amazing how it's been, the narrative's been turned around. And um, so Taylor Harris being pilloried in the way that she was by trolls turned it around on them and launched a a campaign with a renowned shoe company where you have to mimic her, (laughs) you have to mimic Taylor's kick and you send in a photo and you can win some shoes. Jokes on them.
0: <laughs> did you see someone had it tattooed onto them?
5: Was that I real? Was I that, met look, was that? him. Are you serious? I did. He came to my event uh, last week, an event I did the other day, and I met him, and it is fabulous. But has he, he, has
0: he got that blue dress, brown dress? Because I saw <laughs> someone tattooed that when that went really like viral.
3: He's got diverse interests. He does,
4: hasn't he? My um experience of social media, media is uh, colored by running our Facebook page, and what I've seen is there is a possibility in social media to actually grow communities and I think we've seen that ourselves and I've seen that strongly through AFLW and I've seen that through a lot of other groups so I think that that is something that we need to never lose sight of.
3: The thing that warms my heart is every time I see on Twitter or any kind of social media when someone um, refers to the men's competition as AFLM and I saw Sam Mostyn do it this morning (laughs) and I'm like oh we're really I mean Casey you invented invented it and you really stand (laughs) by it so i stand by it makes me very happy
0: for oh, Absolutely. There's been so much talk about social media in the wake of Christchurch as well as Taylor this week. I think it's so important that we talk about the positives because, you know, social media is just a vehicle and it's everybody's own responsibility how they drive that and how they use that. When Lucy talks about the community that, that has built around the outer sanctum, I mean, we got together, other than my sisters who I met pre-Facebook. Yeah. Um, well, we are friends though, aren't we? Yeah, like We, we, we keep friends. getting like friend yeah. know, on Facebook. But it brings so much together and, that, you know, you can't put this genie back in the bottle. So we need right. to work out how to use it and how to... Work with it safely, and how to just like enjoy the positives. Mm-hmm.
3: And the thing about social media, and I have said this and bored you all with it before, is that I liken social the social media revolution to the industrial revolution, when all of a sudden women could do jobs that they couldn't previously do because it didn't require brawn and muscle necessarily. And social media has given rise to the voices of women, especially in football. We have so many pod sisters who have all come at this time because the platforms allowed our voices to be amplified. There nowhere in the country that you would have seen six women walk into a broadcasting corporation and say, we'd like to have a radio show, thanks, <laughs> and can you custom a studio for us? And that happened because of technology and because of the ability of social media to give platform to women's voices. And so I think that it's something that we are the beneficiaries of, and mm. yes, we cop it. But we will be talking more about Taylor Harris further in the show. It gives me great pleasure at this time There is a guest that whenever we have her on, we get an overwhelming praise be from the listeners. Our ABC grandstand, AFLW expert, Shiloh
2: Curtis. How are you, Shy? I'm really fantastic. I spent the week in jet lag. I went to Perth. Oh, Oh, it is a long way. I kept waking up at at 4.30 on the dot for the first three mornings. Mm. Um, it, it, you do get jet lag going over there, don't you?
3: Okay, which begs the question, oh. the Frio girls have inbound. How will the travel have affected Frio?
2: I think they'll be okay. I think, you know, the the girls that do live in non-Victorian states, I think, are used to travelling a lot. And I think this is something that they've had to do, you know, right through from their junior ranks. So when they were playing under-18 football, we'd always go off to the national championships. And, and most of the time, you know, especially the WA girls, it doesn't matter what sport they play, they have to, they've got to travel a fair distance. So... I don't think it's going to affect them as much as it affects Victorian teams, in fact. And I think that's part of the reason why North Melbourne lost last week.
0: It'd be safe to assume, too, being a final, that their club would have chartered a jet and they'd have the, oh, um, the massage tables and everything <laughs> oh, yeah. ready for them.
2: Totally. Yeah, yeah, because there's so much money. And yarn by this side. <laughs> yeah. it's, you know,
0: we, we can be aspirational.
6: That's, t- that's fantastic. I <laughs> love your thinking. Carlton and Fremantle, as we heard, historic game here in Melbourne. How do you see it? What do you think is going to happen?
2: Yeah, it's an interesting one um, because when you look at the stat sheet, Fremantle probably shouldn't be where they are because the numbers in all – all their zones on the ground, they're just thereabouts they're sort of mid-range and you know if I look at some of their their data, like for disposal efficiency their defenders are the 10th in the competition, their forwards are 4 out of 10, their midfielders for disposal efficiency are 10 out of 10. I think that's a really interesting statistic because the game has changed a lot this year that where skills have become super important but for me I feel like the reason why Freo's in this position is they are number one in the competition for contested possessions per disposal the game's become a lot more one-on-one contested footy it's not we're not seeing the zones as we had previously i think that boundary throw-in rules really affected that and so therefore if you can win the contested footy you're half a chance but you've got to be able to use the ball well so that's where it kind of goes against freemales dispose of free freemales dispo- uh, free f- freemantles free, free disposal <laughs> they efficiency, called it the so free male dockers. Yeah, well that's a great that's I was just done. thinking on the fly, yeah. so I just so I th- with it? Yeah, I just, it's an interesting situation that Fremantle has kind of outperformed North and, and Melbourne. But having said that, if we look at their forward line, I feel like their forward line have been so effective. And, if you you know, the, the move of Antonio forward means that she will get the best defender. And then you bring Kelly Gibson mm-hmm. home and she gets the second best defender, which means Houghton, who... Last year was a number one forward essentially. She's now their number three forward. So she's now getting a lot more footy and she's having a good year. And then young Duffy, who's got sublime foot skills, she's getting the fifth best defender. So they've really thrown all their eggs in that one forward basket. I feel like that's paying them dividends at the moment, yeah. For train spotters of the Outer Sanctum, one thing that you
3: might see today <laughs> is Houghton. Surrounded Surrounded by by blue jumpers. jumpers. (laughs) Hey, Shiloh, so just to wrap up what you were saying about the Frio-Carlton game, um, you're going for Frio. That's what I'm taking from this, that you think Frio's got it.
2: I'm not going for anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Tipping. I have to be... Impartial as a commentator. Impartially,
3: <laughs> you be, you are an expert though. So <laughs> who are you tipping? <laughs> According to who on. am I an expert? <laughs> um,
2: look, I think Fremantle probably just going to have a bit too much depth in each zone on the ground. Um, I think Carlton's had a great season. Uh, there's in terms of improvement. I think regardless of their outcome today, they should be really happy about what they've done this year. Um, they're fitter. They're more skillful. They're starting to play players that'll be at the club for a long time um, and invest in their youth, their young talent, their junior talent. But yeah. I just think that at the moment Freemancers probably got a bit too much and a bit too much experience as well.
3: And it gives me the greatest pleasure to disagree with you as a <laughs> proud Carlton a women's member, <laughs> and, and I say game on. Last week after Carlton beat the Bulldogs, uh, Nicole, Lucy and I went down to the rooms and we spoke to Jade Van Dyke, Tilly, Lucas Rod and Darcy Vessio. How much
1: pizza did you just eat? Did you catch me? <laughs> I made a sandwich because I couldn't decide, so two slices so far.
3: Jade Van Dyke, this has been your first season at the Carlton footy club. I may have talked up your amazing defensive skills all all season on the Outer Sanctum. How have you felt? You've obviously come off the back of a VFLW premiership. Has it been any different or does it feel like, I mean, it's the same faces playing different permutations and combinations, but does it feel different playing AFLW?
1: Yeah, a lot different. I mean, another step up, so... Physicalities, another step up and even the fitness, like just another way to improve yourself.
3: Are you happy that you've got some extra games up your sleeve so that you can keep proving what this team can do?
1: Yes, it's exciting. I mean, to see where we've come from at the start of the season to where we are now, it's, we've, we're only only up from here, so it's good. I'm excited.
3: Tilly lucas Rod. being the Pride game today, and there was a beautiful feature that Megan Husway did of <laughs> you and your gorgeous partner, who just happens to also be the captain of this club. What does the Pride game mean
7: to you? Yeah, so obviously Pride game is about unity, inclusivity, and for me to play in it, you know, being someone part of the LGBTIQ community, it's really important. I think it's really important that we have this platform where we can, you know, stand up and say that diversity is OK and it's, you know, OK to love who you are and be who you are. So I think it's really important. And at the same time, it's really important for people to come out in their own time. Us just showing that we're proud of who they are can probably help people feel proud of who they are as a person. Hi, Darcy Bessio. How does that feel? I guess we've been through a lot as a group, um, you know, especially the girls who have come from the first year as well. Um, you know, last year was really hard and I think we all came out of it probably not realising how much it took a lot out of us, the the way the season was um, and to be able to sort of regroup and keep our, our core group, um, players together and, and get some great players in as well um, speaks volumes I think of the, I guess the collective character of the group and just the want to get better, like I think it's easy to walk out when things are going hard but if you stick together and can turn things around then that's really important. You
4: wrote a great piece this week about what the Pride game meant to you and you've written some really good stuff this year that we've all
7: really enjoyed reading. Are you finding your voice? I had a unique opportunity to do some writing um, with the Herald Sun and I hadn't done any writing since probably year 12, so the only writing I do is Instagram captions or tweets. So They're pretty good, by the way. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot harder trying to flesh something out, and but it's really exciting too being able to delve into your own ideas. And a few times I've actually been tested... To actually write about it, I've had to go deeper into why I actually want to write about it and, you know, because you talk about things and you kind of skim the surfaces a lot, but to actually go deeper than that and and realise why you're pulled towards that topic, um, it's important and and you feel very vulnerable to opening up to so many people and the unique thing about writing for the Herald Sun is that you're, you're writing to a group of people, for a group of people who is very different to your own following on socials or you're really opening yourself up to a different crowd. So that's been really interesting too and I think something that'll help me moving forward. <laughs>
3: All right, ladies, let's roll up our sleeves and melee. We will, of course, be discussing Taylor Harris and the online comments of the week. But before we do, some other massive stories from the week. Firstly, Alex Rance out for the season with an ACL is just horrific for the competition. Uh, you never want to see it. and It will be interesting to see if we hear any discourse about how the game is not safe for men to play. I don't think we will. Um, But I really like the way that Alex Rance responded, like just a really measured approach and demonstrating why he's such a super leader. He just
4: looked so positive even on the night, didn't he? Michael Wilson took another classic photo of um, Alex poking his tongue out, having a funny little screwed up smile, which I thought was quite gorgeous. And I think, you know, one of the big issues is that the game's poorer when Alex Rance isn't in it because he's so funny. Yeah, he is. Classic, isn't he? Is
0: it kind of your dream though that, you'll turn up to work and they'll say, there's nothing to do for the next year, but you still get paid. <laughs> <laughs> he's not just sitting back with a box of oh, Pringles. I know, <laughs> I know.
3: The other thing I've been impressed with this week is that this time last week, we were talking about how there would be a team in the AFLW competition who would miss out on finals. And I've been really impressed with how North AFLW have responded about that being mm. their kind of fate. The competition committee, as you know, last year was right at the helm of deciding to conference the AFLW. And, in fact, Laura Kane, who is the head, she's the boss at North Melbourne AFLW.
0: The big kangaroo.
3: She's the biggest kangaroo in the paddock. Mm. And um, she sits on she's that competition committee. Like that so that one
6: from the Commonwealth Games.
3: <laughs> <laughs> With the winky eye. <laughs> the giant one. So I feel like she has set the tone for North to really just take this on. And I thought the messaging coming out of North was incredibly classy because looking at the, at the percentage and their win-loss ratio, it just does seem quite unfair. And that's one thing that I was thinking, we haven't really heard that about conferencing from the administrators of the game, that conferencing, in fact, isn't fair. There's nothing mm-hmm. fair about it. And I actually wonder whether there should have been an education piece around conferencing mm-hmm. because the way that we've been conditioned to believe what is fair in Aussie rules football is is not this system, right? And conferencing is usually employed in huge competitions where there are so many teams and so many games and the tyranny of distance that you can't possibly get to all of them. And that's when it maybe is fair. It's a system that at least works, but it's never really seen as being fair for, you know, in terms of percentage or (laughs) win-loss ratios and things like that. So conferencing in a comp like the AFLW, where there's only 10 teams, they can travel and there's fans that can populate those games, that's like using a chainsaw to cut a cupcake. Like, <laughs> I just feel like it's a huge... Overkill? It's a little bit of overkill. There's mm. got to be a better way, and I'm really hoping... We've heard Nicole Livingston talk about this AFLW vision or mission statement have we, to... Have we? Well, well she is doing... She said she's working okay, on would. it, right? Yeah. I'm really hoping that they will address the conference system and talk about how that's going to look in 10 years' time, mm. which... Look, I don't hold out much hope that they will, but I would like them to discuss it. But of course, this week's biggest talking point was the epic photo of Carlton player Taylor Harris kicking a goal in a pure footy pose. The photo taken by Michael Wilson has attracted vitriol and gendered hate slurs. It would have been very difficult to miss it if you're a footy fan or even if you're not. So we hope that here today in this melee, we can further the conversation and
4: take it to the next level. Lucy? Lucy? I've actually lost count of the times that we've discussed the issue of abusive comments and the need for them to be moderated. In discussing it today, I'd like to hark back to something that we often revisit from a previous guest, and that's BHP's Fiona Vines. That is the notion that when you're trying to achieve cultural change, changing the systems can be more effective than relying on individuals. When Gillan McLaughlin spoke this week, he said... This is not an isolated incident. These things happen and people do their best to monitor them. But in the end, that sort of self regulation that's going on and the accountability, I think, is what needs to happen here. Now, I don't question that the public does have a role to play in moderating abusive online comments. However, organisations have a responsibility to carefully moderate their own social media pages and platforms. Now, of course, this is complicated in 2019, but your social media presence is part of your public face. Mm. You should care as much about what environment's being fostered or approved there. And if that's tacitly or explicitly, you should care as much about it as you do about any other aspect of your organisation. The issue of social media content is a current and contentious issue that extends way beyond sport, but that doesn't mean that organisations can't begin to tackle what's presented on their pages. The AFL, partners like Channel 7 and Fox should be reviewing their policies on how they moderate all of their platforms, including whether they need to resource that part of their business better. And there should be diversity in the group of people moderating Mm. to ensure that there's nuanced and considered analysis of the content. So on Facebook, comments need to be moderated. That's just a standard. There is the ability to hide or remove comments on that platform and we should use it. On Instagram, comments can be turned off and they can be deleted. Now, Twitter is harder, but offensive comments should be reported and accounts should be blocked. Organisations actually may need to consider that they post less until they're in a position to read all of the comments that are made. And I think the rule of thumb has to be post and moderate, not just post. I was heartened to hear Paul Marsh of the Players Association talking during the week about how they're searching for macro ways to deal with this issue and that's really important work and I'm really glad that they're following it up. Something that hasn't been mentioned much this week is the role that media outlets such as newspapers have to play in moderating comments. The sheer volume and frequency of disrespect under stories about female footballers in some newspapers is breathtaking. They also have a duty to be across what's published on their pages and I really hope they're going to take note and do better. Now why does all this matter? Firstly because fans of all ages should be able to consume content on AFL or broadcasters pages without being exposed to misogyny, racism, homophobia or transphobia. Secondly, there's no doubt that offensive comments tarnish the brand of an organisation and that's an important consideration. But most importantly, the primary prevention of violence against women and children depends on us changing the culture. As Natasha stott writes in her book on violence, Although there is no single cause of violence against women, research shows that the main drivers of high levels of such violence are attitudes and behaviours that condone violence against women, limit women's independence adhere to rigid gender roles and disrespect women.
3: That's interesting what you say, Lou. I heard Kate O'Halloran talking this week who was formerly the um, sports editor at The Guardian and she was saying that often when she posted things that they had to turn off comments altogether and Mm. that's just something they had to do. It's their Mm. shop front. I had a couple of articles like that.
0: It's an actual shop front and this is what I was thinking about is that if you wouldn't let graffiti that was offensive, sit on the front of your office building. So if you're that television station or your AFL house, if you're not prepared for it to sit there, then don't let it sit on other versions of you.
3: Photos like that attract... Young kids, you want to attract young kids to the game, but it's not a safe place for them to go. I was thinking the same thing as yours, pivoting from that same Fiona Vines concept. And you know that this has been on my mind ever since Stephen Milne was admitted into the Hall of Fame by the St Kilda Football Club, that I was thinking we have addressed, we've put in change rooms to make women welcome at footy clubs and we've got footy jumpers that fit women now. And, you know, in a lot of ways, there has been a, a mindset kind of education piece to have women feel welcome in the game. But I was listening to this podcast called Download This Show, which is a tech podcast produced by the ABC. And in their episode, which is titled Protective Fandom and Data Bias in a World Designed by Men, the host spoke to the author um, of a new book. Her name is Carolyn Credo Perez. The book is called Invisible Women. And she has identified and investigated the data that underpins how technology is designed. And so she's found that men are largely treated as the default and women are treated as the outliers. And so among some of the really astute observations that she makes in her book, she was outlining how, you know, things like activity trackers on smartphones are predisposed to only counting steps if the phone is in your pocket. Of course, for women, we carry it in a bag, (laughs) not in our pocket. The other thing that she showed, um, she cited was that the heart attack warning signs on the health tracker are said for the warning signs for a man, not for a, a female. Um, but then there was this example or these two examples, which when I heard them, I had to have a Bex and a good lie down.
7: Take a listen to this. When Siri, the AI on Apple products was first released, she, and it was uh, she by default in the US, could tell you the nearest place to buy Viagra but couldn't tell you where you could get an abortion. It couldn't tell you where you could find your nearest rape crisis centre because it didn't understand what you meant if you said, I've been raped. Another thing that I found, again, outstanding, was that when they released their health kit, it was pretty comprehensive in that it could track your copper intake and something called molybdenum, (laughs) which I still don't know what it is. I should probably look that up but it couldn't track your period. That is just staggering to me.
3: So tech is not designed with women in mind and neither are football clubs infrastructure. They are not designed with women in mind. So when the two converge, and that's what we've seen this week, and this is how the horror show has unfolded, not just this week, all year, we've been talking about this all year. And in fact, ever since women um, and the AFLW started, every time there's a female sports person on these pages, we face this issue. So posts must be moderated if organisations want to enjoy the clicks and the data that they use to gather Um, Advertising dollars and information about the people who are coming to their sites, and if they want to really succeed, then the moderators need to be as diverse as the people who play the game and love the game.
0: I think you're right. We have been talking about this. Well, we've been talking about it for years now. Um, You know the the abuse, the disrespect, and everything that that happens on social media. And you know, I think people online especially have been horrific at every opportunity to marginalise communities and those represented in football you know you just need to think about Adam Goods, you think about Hannah Mouncey you think about Basha Hooli you think about all of those instances and I guess one of the things that resonated for me this week was as a culture do we need to stand back and say why did it take the online abuse of a attractive blonde woman um, to finally galvanise us? Is there a bigger question there in terms of is this how we need it presented to us for people to stand up? And, um, you know, social scientists often talk about this this concept of um, missing white woman syndrome where they can prove that if a white woman goes missing, um, the, the media response to that is a lot stronger and a lot broader. And the descriptions of that woman is all based around her abilities uh, as a, a professional or as a mother or as a daughter. Whereas if non-white women go missing, there's much less coverage and um, the focus is on things like their troubled past or abusive partners, etc. And it's a real thing and something that struck me quite heavily that we have seen the abuse that people like Hannah Mouncy has endured. And all these people who are outraged about Taylor had the opportunity and still have the opportunity to stand up and draw a line and say, hang on, if it's not okay for one human, it's not okay for any human to endure this. and I'm not trying to in any way minimise what's gone on with Taylor but I think it's worth standing back and questioning why is it now that everybody feels outraged? Why didn't we feel outraged about the rest?
3: And it's interesting because at the same time as the story with Taylor was gaining momentum is that there was a post of Cecilia McIntosh who was an epic athlete, represented Australia in two different disciplines, has played footy for decades and was retiring and the comments on the AFL um, Facebook page were horrific about that post. And um, Hannah Mountsey also got rolled into this because they'll be using her name to be a...
0: And this is the thing that happens every time there's an incident or something controversial, out comes the pack and starts tagging in people like Hannah. To just actually walk your life and do nothing and to be dragged in and and pulled into all of these things all the time must be absolutely humiliating, exhausting.
4: And also without having all of the protective structure of a football club... Or a code. Or a code yeah. around her. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
3: But I will say that I think it's a positive thing that Taylor, you know, she's a Trojan horse mm. for this issue because, you know, you see all the people um, invoking the photo of Teddy Whitten, which looks so similar. If that's the way that has to be digested at this point, that she can achieve something that a man that we've celebrated for 100 years or, you know, that those poses that we've always celebrated men doing, she was able to emulate that and, you know, she has the same physicality. And if that's the moment, then mm. we take the moment and then we hope that it will propel the conversation.
5: When I posted that the pic for others and we all did this to get them to repost the photo of Taylor, a comment that kept coming up was versions of, I keep looking at this picture, trying to see what the trolls would be criticising and I can't see anything. And this points to what you were just saying then, Em, about how it was an almost perfect model of what football should look like and what we should be celebrating and so naturally there was nothing they could really look at it was a unique situation in many ways because it's irrefutable logic and it's manifest unfairness was clear for everyone and it ticked all as you said felicity all the culturally acceptable boxes but injustice and unfairness don't usually come to us in a marketable package tied up with a bow we've all noted (laughs) women have been victims of this particular misogynistic cyber hate since literally the first tweet was tweeted like not just in aflw but in political spaces, you name it. But the silence has been deafening or muted at best. And there's an inarguable hierarchy of worthiness when society judges victims of any crime or any social ill. Difference of any kind compounds, whether culture, skin colour, disability or any kind of queerness, complicates. And the bar for universal sympathy is set higher, impossibly high even. So the question shouldn't be about what the victim is doing to deserve this treatment. It shouldn't be our first question anyway. Uh, we need to be aware of our own biases and develop more sophisticated ways of understanding how misogyny and the many kinds of prejudice function, And we need to be open to considering nuance and subtlety and be prepared to support and protect against less perfect, less idealized forms of injustice. Really good point, Nick. This photo is going to become
4: iconic.: The fact
6: that I think it is. Taylor
4: yeah. is wearing a pride jumper in that photo, and is also wearing a black armband to remember the victims of the atrocities in Christchurch, will actually stay part of that image.
0: Did you enjoy the um, (coughs) sidebar commentary going on of people critiquing her um, technique and <laughs> oh, saying, can't even. you know, if this is the model we're going to be putting up to young girls, you know, maybe we want to look at that kicking technique because that's not perfect. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, it was sorry. too
6: much to bear. It was too much to bear. I Kate. must say, I couldn't resist getting, getting involved in that particular debate, Felicity. And as I pointed out on Twitter, probably the most unorthodox football kicking technique at the moment in the competition as a whole belongs to a guy named Buddy Franklin, <laughs> yeah, really? um, who's kicked so far. 917 goals, he's got two flags, eight All-Australians, four Coleman medals, and he's still going. so i not um, getting it quite right, though.
0: We should keep yeah. our eye out for him then,
5: shouldn't we?
6: <laughs> keep, keep an, an eye on him. He's going, he's going places, that guy. <laughs> well, I know that you girls wanted me to talk a bit about the legal issues that were thrown up by the whole saga this week. And I sat down last night and I tried to do that. And it was just too complex because there are issues around workplace health and safety, discrimination law, negligence potentially defamation. And it's so complicated, all of those fields. And, and in the end, I realised there was actually something else I wanted to say anyway. And that is that I want to talk about two defences that I've heard people repeatedly employ or deploy this week in response to the incident. And the first defence is that this is just free speech and that people are entitled to have their say. So that's that kind of like it or lump it mentality. And the second, uh, which is related, is that this is just the price that women have to pay if they want to participate in a traditionally male-dominated arena. Play the game, you pay the price. Now, that phrase, as you'll all know, pay the price, is a really famous one in footy. It's what Alan Jeans said to the Hawthorne men at halftime in that famous 1989 grand final against Geelong. And he asked those men then what they were prepared to do to win and whether they were prepared to pay the price. And I've been left wondering in the last couple of days, is this this really the price that women have to pay in order to play the game that they love? Uh, Or in the case of women who play AFLW, the price they have to pay to go to work? Is this the price that p- people have to pay to simply kick a ball around on a patch of grass? Because really, at the end of the day, that's all it is. So I want to start on that cre- question of free speech. And let me say, first of all, unequivocally, that in our society, we actually do regulate speech. We long have. There's no such thing in this country as unadulterated free speech or an, an uninterrupted right to free speech. One of the privileges of living in a civil society is, the, is that we get to speak, But one of the obligations is that we have to be careful about how we use that right. We have to speak with care. And I think the problem is that we now live in a viral era where hate speech, propaganda and abuse can really spread like wildfire. And the platforms that host that content like Facebook and Twitter and Reddit, and they all have an entire business model that depends on both viral culture and minimal regulation. And that's an absolutely explosive combination. Sometimes it is for good, sometimes it is for bad. And this isn't so, as you've all mentioned, actually, just because of Taylor Harris or Hannah Mouncey or Cecilia McIntosh, Adam Goods, I think it has a really profound and renewed significance in the wake of the Christchurch massacre and the worldwide spread of religious and racial intolerance in particular. And I know that these issues are all extremely complex, but governments have to find a way through and find a solution about what to do about all of this. Now, on the question of uh, resilience and vulnerability, I must say I am damn tired of the demands that are being placed on women and other marginalized groups to simply endure absolutely endless forms of abuse. But there's also a kind of responsibility par- paradox that's at the heart of all of this. And that is this, that those who tell women and others that this is the price that you have to pay for participating in the community, what they're saying is that you need to take responsibility for your own mental health and for your own reactions to things. And and so it sounds like those people who say that are committed to responsibility, but they're not committed to a kind of responsibility of the speaker who does the harm. And it seems to me that no one is responsible for hateful speech, apparently not the speaker who utters it and nor the platform that hosts that content. No one apparently is responsible expect for, except for the recipient of the hateful speech themselves, and, and that just cannot be right. In law, we actually do have a rule about this, and it's called the eggshell skull rule, which you might have heard of. And basically it says that, In law, you have to take people as you find them. So if you push me over and it just so happens that I have an eggshell thin skull and my skull shatters, that's on you. You pay the price. You take me as you find me. That notion that somehow women are vulnerable or too soft or too weak just doesn't hold for a whole range of reasons. Weakness isn't a flaw, but it's a fact of life, as the eggshell skull rule reminds us. And it's okay to be weak. That said... These women who play AFLW are some of the strongest people you will ever meet, and that is because they have had to be. But we cannot rely on them to care for themselves. We have to, I think, as a community, do much more to care for one another and to care for them, to take responsibility for the words we use, the harms we produce, sometimes if we don't realise it or intend it. And we also have to do more to regulate and to change, because women should no longer have to pay the price.
3: This is The Outer Sanctum on ABC Radio. Tomorrow, Adelaide will be playing Geelong and hosting, in fact, Geelong at the Adelaide Oval, which is a really big, beautiful, historic moment for the Adelaide Crows players who are so excited.
4: And Shiloh, last week we saw Adelaide demolish Melbourne. It's really got me thinking, what are we going to see tomorrow? What is Geelong going to be up against? probably going to say more of the same to be honest I mean you look at Adelaide
2: season how they've they didn't start amazingly they had that one point loss mm. to the dogs and they really had to grind their way and a new coach this year as we know we know that the nucleus of their team is very consistent from that first season but a new coach brings in a new structure a bit of new psychology and there's a little bit of fear when a new coach comes in because you've got to kind of prove yourself all over again and you you might start in a different position than you used to so I just think it's taken some time for them to just sort of slot into their groove but Every game, they've just kind of grinded it out. And I think that's been the advantage for Adelaide. Whereas North, you know, it was sort of almost really easy from from the first game. And not to say any games of footy are easy, but the Crows have had to really work hard in the first month of the competition. And but, in the second month, it, they're just sort of tapering off. It's it's really quite wonderful to watch. You're such an
4: expert because I actually heard Ebony Marinoff say that. She was on the sidelines and they were interviewing her last week. And they said, it was in the third quarter, What's, what are you going to do now? And she goes, oh, we've just got to grind this out. I thought, girl, you're like six goals in front, seven goals in front, (laughs) but that you're right. That's the way their mentality.
2: Um, But if you look at the stat sheet, they're ahead on, on, on almost every category in the stat sheet and the really critical ones. So. I find it hard to see any team that's going to beat them at this point in the season, yeah.
3: Shy, one thing that I heard this week was Stevie Lee Thompson, who has had an absolutely standout season, and she was talking about the retention of the players in Adelaide, that they're still 18 strong from season one when they won the first premiership.
2: I did do some work with an organisation about 18 months ago after the first AFLW season, and their research suggests that the longer that people play together, and also lines, they play within your lines, and also the longer that that combination of the Forwards has played alongside that combination of the mids and that combination of the backs. The more experience they have playing alongside each other, um, statistically, ends up in a better scoreboard or a better ladder result, which I think is really important. I think, yeah, I don't think you've just got to have the best players who are winning the stat sheet, but you've got to be able to have that team element, and you sh- you shave off these minute moments of seconds just by knowing where each other are, and that could be the difference between catching a ball and or, or, or disposing effectively or not. So. Adelaide is just – it's the best female football team I've ever seen in my whole life and everyone I've spoken to. Um, I caught up with Michelle Cowan this week and I saw Bec Goddard last week and we all have said the same thing. We've never seen a team of women play like this together. It's phenomenal. Charlotte, what you're talking about really
0: resonated this week when there was an announcement that um, players will be able to sign two-year contracts. I was thinking about it in terms of some of these teams that are playing across two states. How much better are those teams going to get when – you have certainty and um, you can put in two-year plans for players etc.
4: Oh
2: yeah so much better and also the fear that you don't have on your players shoulders you know I think what well, we know statistically that if you have a, a high fear-based culture that you're not going to get great productivity in fact what is the most important thing is psychological safety so if I'm going out on the field and I'm doing a performance review every week for seven weeks over two months and my five-month contract because essentially that's what they are my five-month contract is going to be determined by what I do in those in those seven performance reviews across those seven games, like who does a performance review for their job security mm. every week for seven weeks in a <laughs> row? Who does that? No one does. But that's what these AFL girls are doing. So, my whole footy career rests on what I do mm. over the next sixty minutes. And I don't. And and I think what that does is it brings in pressure, extra pressure that's not necessary. And I think it brings in fear, particularly for younger players. That kick mark or hand pass could determine whether I'm yeah. on the list or not in three weeks' time. Mm. I don't think the way we've set up this system and only having you know five month contracts initially. I actually don't think that it allows the girls to play at their best and I think having longer term contracts where I know I can just breathe a sigh of release and just go and play football, I think that's much more important and we'll deal with my tenure every two years and I think the more we can do that for the girls, the better off we're going to see their football be.
6: Shiloh, I I just want to pick up on this issue of psychology and pressure. For Geelong fans, I wonder if there is anything for them in this game to to suggest that they could win. And in particular, what's the psychology for a team who goes into a game like this with almost no pressure on them?
2: Well, I think it's a really good coaching point. If if it was me, and I do feel a bit sorry for Geelong because everyone has kind of had a bit of a crack that they're in the finals in the first place because of the conference system. But you know what? You take your opportunities as they come, and they've been given this opportunity. They've got nothing to lose. And it depends on how you choose to define success as well first year club we talk about getting opportunities to get yet another game they get an eighth game to play together which other teams don't have which might then help them come this time next year they can just turn up and play footy just do the best you can and your success indicators here for me are about learning um, execution they're about getting some experience in finals football is really different you know Adelaide's got everything to lose look we've all said it's there it's their game it's their trophy to lose from about round five so every game Adelaide's got that's this 19th player they're playing against. or oh, I should say 17th player they're playing against. <laughs> so, I mean, all the pressures on Adelaide. You long, just go out and have a crack um, and just play really freely. Like, play yeah. free footy. And some of those girls, if it is their last game, some of them may never play AFLW again. So just go and play footy and just do what you love and have fun and enjoy it. One thing I cannot wait to see in that game is Megan McDonald
3: taking on the back line. She's been the story of the season for me. And seeing her named in the All-Australian squad made me – I sent her a text message this week and said, your work – Ethic and your determination to make your way back into the system has made me believe that I can achieve anything. <laughs> Watch this space; I'll be a Victoria's Secret angel before the year is out. It gives us the greatest pleasure to pleasure to welcome our next guest into the studio. This time last year, she was the biggest story in town in the first round of the, of the AFL-M and in the last round of the AFLW, we welcome to the outer sanctum one of our very first guests ever on the podcast, the premiership-winning captain of the western bulldogs Katie Brennan hello
1: hello <laughs> i was just thinking when i was on my way in here how bloody good is this how good are you guys awesome. <laughs> i remember our first, back. i just remember our first interview that we did and it was at ms house and God, this is amazing.
3: Yeah, it was around a little Walkman and we recorded it on tape. And then we just played it to our friends on a fax machine. Katie, this time last year you were in the spotlight and we have started to refer to that moment as every moment since then has been the post katie Brennan um, (laughs) tribunal era. How do you, um, given that Taylor Harris has to play in a prelim today, what was that pressure like? And I know that you didn't get the opportunity to play, but all eyes of the country were on you mm. and all eyes of the country on her, again, for a, a kind of underpinning reason of gender.
1: Mm. Yeah, I've um I've actually reached out to Tay and, you know, I've watched her grow through the years and, and we were, you know, I, I guess I played with her and, and against her in Queensland. And I've just said to her, you, you really have to focus on footy now. And, and I don't know what I would have done if I was going to play the grand final because it was such a draining week. It was so full-on um, mentally, physically draining. And you, you just, you had to sort of just get through and think about football. And and for me, for my instance, prepare like I was going to, to play that grand final. So um, I've said that to Tay today that you sort of, I guess you, you gain a little bit of energy from it. And in her case, it's been so, so positive and, and um, she's had so much support, um, but you also have to kind of flick back and think about, I've got a job to do. I need to prepare as, as best I can and um and just think about playing footy.
5: You've been in the spotlight quite a while now, right from the beginning of the of the competition. Um how have you had to I mean you would have encountered lots of cyber hate and trolling. How do you deal with it? I guess
1: um what you've always done is just not not read it, not listen to it. Um just know that they're probably uneducated, um, usually middle aged men. Um if we could say that. Some women as well. But um hashtag not all. Not not all, yeah. <laughs> but I guess you you sort of just think if they're sitting there trolling you and and sending you know negative comments your way what are, what are they doing like what are they doing with their life and I know that I'm out there doing my best playing playing AFL women's and you sort of just have to go back to that as well. I also that night I actually read those comments on the photo of Taylor, but I also read McIntosh's comments mm. as well, and they were equally as bad. And I know that she hasn't been in the spotlight, but it's such it's such an issue, and it's her comments were were really terrible i really felt for her i um you know i reached out to her as well just to to talk about it and it's just it's an issue that has been there from the very start and we're going to continue to face that but how good is taylor harris standing up and and fighting against these trolls because it it has to be done and if we're going to continue to to make big steps forward then this sort of thing has to be stamped out of our game Katie, talking about
4: you and your game this year, you came back from ankle surgery and your first two seasons you were a bit marred by injury. Mm. How has it felt to actually get back and play a full season and, you know, how are you feeling about your football?
1: Yeah, it's um it's been an interesting season. I think the goal for me was to get through all seven games. So um, I'm very happy um, that I that I got through and um, I think you always have high expectations on how you're going to go out there and perform and um, I know that I haven't played a, a lot of footy for... Um, some years now so for me it was just going out there and trying to enjoy myself enjoy myself with our group Um, we've got a such an amazing group and where I know that we we didn't do as well as we probably expected and as everyone else expected coming off the back of winning the flag last year but um, I think we've laid some really good foundations going forward and it was just, a, like I said, for me, just getting all those seven games in. I can go back to VFL footy and I really just want to have a, a, a big season in VFL and, and try and play every game as opposed to last year where, um, you know, a lot of the girls wanted a rest and needed a rest. So I think um, even the product of AFL Women's will go to another level with a lot of our, our AFL women's girls playing BFL this year and just getting more games. Cause I just got the back of the, the conversation before is that seven games, it's not enough. It's, it's not enough for a season, It's not enough for, you know, the in season and you feel like you can't, you can't get in, you can't gain momentum. um I feel like, you know, you, you come off the back of a couple of good games and then you, and then it's over. Like yeah. <laughs> if you don't make finals, it's done.
2: Just to that point, Katie, I think it's an interesting point to note that there are a lot of players who are, like we've smashed you guys a little bit in the last Mm -hmm. sort of five years in getting this competition up and running. We know there were sort of three or four summers when you went back to back. I wonder about, you're only playing seven games mid-seat, you know, in AFLW. A lot of girls are taking time off um, in winter, so they're not playing VFL and they're coming back the following year. Or in their VFL season, they're only playing five to seven games. I wonder, is there a sentiment amongst the playing group that when your career's all said and done and you can't move anymore because your knees are busted, Mm. (laughs) you won't have gotten the best out of yourselves because the number of opportunities you have to play the game will be limited, so limited compared to, say, what the boys get
1: or what the women will get in in 20 or 30 years' time? Yeah, I think it's the nature of an evolving competition. I think you, um, you know, there's, there's women that have missed out playing AFL Women's, and that's just the, I guess, like I said, the nature of it. And God, I want it to be. 18 games you know 18 rounds um you know you want to be playing perhaps even alongside the men's where you, mm. you get more opportunity to just play longer um yeah you do feel quite limited um it's also uh, you, get, you have to take a step back and just think this is where we're at right now and I probably within my playing career I hope I've got another maybe six years or so we'll see um but I hope that it gets to that stage and I think um you know there's many people um like you and I trying to to push it to get to that stage before, um, you know, I leave the game and you've certainly made a massive mark on the game, Shiloh. And and, um, yeah, I think there's many people trying to to get it to that stage so we can showcase the talent, have more games under our belt and, and play more football because you have to, you know, you have to play football, you have to play games. And I think a few of the girls and, and certainly I noticed that this year that I've played seven games in in the last couple of years and it's not enough football. It's you lose your game sense. I've been playing most of my life, but you lose your game sense. You don't know where to run. It's, it's zipping around and it's really quick. So you, you actually have to play games of football and um, I think that the more games that we get to play in for Women's, the better.
6: Katie, one of the really big talking points of the season has been the conference system, mm. talking about uh, opportunities and, and controversies. Um, what, how have you how have you felt about the conference system and and do you think that uh, it needs to be reviewed and perhaps um, uh, moved away from next year? Um.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Just for everyone playing home, she um, she put out a big deep <laughs> breath and um, looked to the sky. No.
1: Um, it's a it's a tough one. Like we, I guess you know, we finished at the bottom of conference A and. You know, I, f- I feel like we had a pretty tough draw, um, particularly early on, and we've played a lot of the best teams given our success last year and the AFL just thinking that we were going to be the same. Um, I think for right now, given that the AFL have said, you know, we've got a certain number of rounds and this opportunity before, um, you know, after the tennis, before the male, the male season, I think conferences are the way to go. Whether it is one ladder or not, I actually think I think that's, you know, again we we finished at the bottom of conference a and we probably would be sitting fourth or fifth which is not a bad season whereas you kind of sit at the bottom of conference a and think wow we didn't do very well this year and it's it's a different sort of view so particularly with expansion perhaps they are the way to go given that we only have that that window but we're pushing for way more games mm. and and we want it. To, we want to play everyone twice. Like we we want um, a bigger season. We want to be able to have the opportunity to to play more games, to play everyone once, to have a proper final series. And I think that that is um, it's reflective of what the whole the whole playing group wants and and what we're going to continue to push for.
0: Katie, when I think of AFLW in the off season, I think of those um, movies like I don't know, maybe like Dirty Dancing or something where you know the um, watch that the other day. You know when you all carry watermelon? No, you know where um, <laughs> where the seasonal staff come back year after year mm. and they all reconnect and see yeah. each other again. And there's this beautiful sense of oh, here we are again. And yep. then they all go off to other lives. And mm. how do you at, at the Bulldogs? How do you stay connected? during the off season?
1: Mm. Well, I guess we're really fortunate that we've got our VFL program now. And um, I think the girls and, um, and the staff worked really hard to integrate the two programs last year. And and so when you step back into VFL, yes, it is a a bit of a step down in a sense to community football and, and VFL football and, we, you know, we don't train as often we, um, you know, we use different resources and, and different fields and, and those um, types of things. But, you know, you still have that feel because you're around the same people and you know that you're you're moving towards a common goal still. So we know that we're still trying to play the structures that we would in AFR Women's. We know that we're, you know, you're trying to, um, you work with your conditioning staff and you're trying to sort of hit the standards that you would they would expect of you uh this time of year and and then you know that you're still gunning towards afl women's next year so some of the girls actually go back to different vfl clubs and get a bit of a, a refresh and um that certainly worked for for girls like meg mcdonald um nat exxon um, going back to darab and those girls and um just having a, a different scene and and i think that those two have probably been you know, two of the standouts of the competition this year. And um, so whether, you know, going back to, to VFL with your own club is not refreshing for some girls and, and they need more of that dirty dancing style that you referred to, <laughs> um, or, or they just, you know, enjoy the consistency of consistent AFL women's and, and VFL women's program. Um, it, I guess it's up to the individual.
5: Katie, we've got four more clubs joining next mm. year. Um, where, where do we fit them is the big question, right. but it must be a lot of chatter amongst the players and the coaches to, you know, one amongst like the leadership group to try mm. to keep people together, mm. but also just, is that really unstabling or destabilising?
1: Yeah, I guess, um, I keep on saying it is the na- nature of the competition with the growth and you, you have to, you've got to, um, yeah, you've got to sort of talk to the girls and, and try and, you know, keep everyone together, given that there are some new teams coming in the competition and, and people are, with for Women's, it's, it's livelihoods on the line we you know the girls are getting paid not a lot and so they have to sort of you know work in with their own work commitments and how it's gonna to work going to work for their own life individually so you know there's there's girls considering different options and and I think there's you know new clubs coming in that are going to throw some money around which girls you, you have to you've got you've got to take it sometimes like I feel like within our AFL women's community there's a different feel to the men's and it's there's not going to be obviously with more teams coming in and it's expansion the loyalty isn't as strong as the men's side and that's just it, it is it is what it is but girls really have to consider that you know if they get paid an extra 10 grand it means that they, they could drop a, a day a week of work and and probably you know be a better afa women's footballer and like charlotte said maintain you know their their name on the list for the next year I think, um, yeah, it is a tough time for clubs with expansion and and lots of talk of movement. But, yeah, I think it's also an exciting time for girls with new opportunities as well. There's been a lot of talk
4: this year, Katie, about um, the pace of the game Mm -hmm. and the increase in skill level. Um, How are you feeling about the way the game's developing on field?
1: Yeah, God, it was quick this year. I just remember, I think the quickest game um, for me, I I was a bit stunned by the Melbourne Western Bulldogs game out on Etihad and we know Eddie Had's a really fast deck but um, I felt I was playing on the wing and I don't often sort of play up there on the wing. I'm more of centre-half forward and it was just a, a really fast-paced game. Um, the footy was zipping around, um, you know, externally. I think people really enjoyed the game. It was scrappy in parts but mm-hmm. um, I think that's what we're seeing and, and particularly clubs like Adelaide, Frio, and Frio, they're playing a, a brand of football where it's fast paced, it's, it's exciting. You've got girls doing post runs for, you know, <laughs> 300 metres to, to kick goals. Like, mm. that's exciting football, and that's what we need to see more of. So, um, I think that's going to be the evolution of AFL Women's going forward. Where, um, you know, we had a, a game style last year where we were trying to control the football, and I think it looked really neat in patches, but the game is evolving, and, and we need to be able to see um, different styles of football, not just that long kick. Down the line to a contest and and you know um, and it repeated we, we need to be able to see those girls really those girls really um, you know working hard at the back mm. um, it's it 's exciting football when you see um, i it just comes to mind like an ashley sharp from from Frio doing a, a post run kicking a goal um, you know taking three or four bounces and just executing the skill so um, yeah it's exciting football it 's definitely developing um, and whether expansion, um, you know, pauses that for for a little while, we're not sure. Um, I think you know the the conversation is that it gives so many more girls opportunities to be mm-hmm. in an elite environment, and that it will um, continue to develop. But whether the product is just on pause for for a little little while, we'll I guess we'll find out mm-hmm. next year.
3: This is the Outer Sanctum on ABC Radio. Our next guest set the trade talk into motion this week when she uh, resigned from her job at AFLQ. We will be asking her about that, but it's the first time that our guest hasn't been preparing for a final in the AFLW competition ever. Sabs, Sabrina frederick Traub, welcome to The Outer Sanctum. How are you
8: spending your day? Good morning, ladies. Um, yeah, I'm actually celebrating Silly Saturday today with the te- <laughs> with the team, um which is obviously a, a first for us in these in this um, week, and obviously you touched on not making finals. It's definitely um, a different feel, but I'm sure we'll have a good time today.
4: Silly Saturday sounds like um it's happening in a few clubs today., <laughs> 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 what sort of approach are you taking with costuming?
8: Yes. Yeah, so the theme is L I O N S being oh, lions, lions. Yep. I am going as Little Red Riding Hood. Oh. <laughs> I look forward
4: to your Insta stories.
8: Yes. <laughs> yes. Not not so Little Red Riding Hood.
6: <laughs> Sabs, uh, as Emma mentioned at the top of the interview, you have resigned from AFLQ this week. Yeah we're super keen to find out exactly what's going on. What's the, what's the story?
8: Yeah. So I actually resigned last week and I think it just obviously it got out and, um, I didn't really think twice about the timing, but obviously in hindsight now I'm thinking that does look a bit
7: sad.
8: <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it was just time for me to go back to uni. I've, I've been contemplating over the last 12 months. Um, if that's, the direction I want to go in, and sort of figuring out what I want to study. I was at uni before studying psychology, and I figured that that wasn't the right thing for me. And I finally landed on media and communications, and it's something I'm really passionate about and excited to get back into it. But I think the fact that I'm actually excited to go back to uni and study is, is the main thing. So yeah, it's going to be a big a big change for me, and it's going to be sad, obviously, not you know seeing all the faces around work, but the time for me now I've been working for AFLQ for almost three years and I think it's it's time for me to make a step for me in in my career so I am excited the timing is very very sus Um, (laughs) but honestly the yeah the decision was is is definitely not football related.
6: So is there any truth to the rumour that you might be interested in talking to some Victorian clubs?
8: At this point obviously I've just come off the back of the weekend loss. And um, honestly, I was just thinking about kind of mourning and, and getting through that. Um, now that that's sort of done, the conversations will, will start with Brian's to us and about what the future looks like and how they want me in the club and how they see that happening. And um, after all those sort of conversations happen, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think for me in my time in my life, there's so much going on. Um, I would say never say never at this point Um, and and they know that and the communication's always been transparent with, with those two and I have so much love and respect for those two in the club. Um, they just want to make their people better. I don't have any information
7: for you <laughs> as of yet.
8: Um, and, and Lily's probably thinking, if you say anything that I don't actually know yet, are <laughs> really all the gossip. Um, but, yeah, I, I honestly don't have anything for you as of yet. But, um, yeah, those conversations will happen with the club and, and it'll be very honest and um, transparent conversations about what I see myself being in the next few years.
0: Sabzit, so it's Felicity here. Um, as most people know, in the AFLW, I am a Bulldogs fan, and um, just on the off chance that that um, course that you're doing might be in Melbourne, we've brought Katie Brennan in to do a pitch yeah. to you on um, just some kid. of the the pros of um, joining the Bulldogs next season. KB
1: here. Um, we've, <laughs> KB. Sabs, we've just had a big redevelopment at the Western Bulldogs. We've got some brand new change rooms. No, nah, I'm kidding,
8: kidding. I have seen those. Actually. They're
5: incredible. Have you went to see very them? <laughs>
2: Shiloh here and, and have you seen the weather in Sydney? The Giants just, uh, oh my God, know, fantastic a facility and uh, the girls on their on their Mad Monday did an amazing cruise on the Sydney Harbour, as they do well, every year on a boat That is incredible. I know they do it every year It's fantastic. So, sun and water I'm actually
5: teaching a media and communications course at Swinburne which has a relationship with the <laughs> Richmond Football
6: Club um, I don't know if you're interested And <laughs> Sabs, Sab's Kate again Adelaide are playing wonderful footy this year and really the team to join this is a total stitch up we're just going to each nominate this is so club. funny
4: because we always talk about um gender bias and we talk about trying to get rid of the bias and all you're seeing is all of the biases <laughs> <laughs> but i want to bring this back to an actual question yeah. and the brisbane have been really lucky in that you've been had the whole state and next year when gold coast come in you guys are going to be exposed to Competition and mm-hmm. potentially, I think up to eight players can be um, taken from from Brisbane. What do you think that's going to mean for, I guess, Queensland football generally, but also for the Brian uh, for the Lions, the, the Brian <laughs> in particular. That's the Bryans, the uh, I,
8: have, I think um, coming from an AFL Queensland perspective and seeing it from a non-biased Lions perspective, I think. Having two teams would be really good for the state, Mm. um, personally. And I think having more footy on the Gold Coast will be really good for those girls down there and their participation to just see, you know, the elite level in their backyard. And I think that's a good thing. Um, In terms of talent, obviously it's got to come from somewhere. I, I don't know at this point what people are thinking or if they're planning on staying or leaving, I guess that's just part of footy. And it's, there's going to be movement until, you know, we're a bit settled and we have those expansion clubs come in. It's You've got to grab people from somewhere and you've got to make sure that competition is as balanced as possible. I think at first it might ruffle a few feathers, but you never know how it's going to go. Like, mm. bring a new team in. Yeah, there might be some players that leave and there might be some players that don't. So I guess it's just a waiting game at this point. But I think... I'm I'm the very few probably that thinks expansion clubs is is a good thing. I think... The more people playing, um, the better. And, yeah, there's a chance that the, the talent might drop off a bit. But we did think that was going to happen this year, and it, and it proved not to be. So mm-hmm. there's always a positive, and I think more girls playing is always always a good thing either way. So um, I think having the Gold Coast join in will be really good for this state. Sabs, it's Shiloh here.
2: Just um, want to take it back to Brisbane Lions, in fact. And, yes, you will lose some players out of that team. But also this year... Uh, you didn't reach, the, the I guess, the heights that you reached in the last couple of years. Mm. The game has changed a lot this year, I think, and I think there was a mm. greater one, focus on one-on-one footy. I think skills mm. were super important this year. We saw some shorter kicking, kicking games, which I really enjoyed. Tell us about the Lions. Where's the opportunity for improvement with the Lions if they're going to play finals football next year? That's
8: a really good question. I think, um, firstly, us this year, we've had so much change that I think, we put a lot of effort into that adjustment and, and really just growing our people um, and, and the girls that have that have come in this year. We've had seven or eight debutants that are 18 years old and that's a, that's a massive, um, massive group of young girls now part of our group. I think now that those are almost embedded into the group, I think the next focus is our best weapon is as a team and I guess... I think analysing each football team as you go each week and not sort of putting out the same sort of um, game plan. I think at the start, the first few years, it was kind of the teams put on the best performance and going out there and playing footy was almost um, all you needed as long as you had heart and, you know, fight in you to be able to compete. But I think as the talent gets better and better, um, you have to start analysing the teams every week and almost going in a game plan and picking the team based on your opposition and I think um, that's something that we've we've identified that we may have may have not um, looked at very closely and maybe that's that's what we go with in the future but I, I don't know at this point um, I think it's just good that we've we've played all those young girls and really, really made an impact this year. And, yeah, we didn't make finals, but there were so many positives that we had as a club this year and and those debutantes was definitely one.
5: Just in terms of that, like next year is such an unknown and I'm wondering if from year to year, how you deal with your own conditioning and what your sort of game plan for yourself on an individual level, is that something you can do, you know, this far out, not knowing what the contest holds, you know, next year?
8: It is very difficult and and like you said, there's only so much you can do and and you just want to make sure that you're bettering yourself and, and finding those things that you didn't do well and the season just gone. Like I'll have my review with the coaches and, and identify what I could have done better. And then all, you ca- all you can do as an individual is make sure that you do better at that. Last year, I had the same conversations and, and they said that I needed to lift defensively I felt like I really brought that this year. I landed a few tackles, which I was pretty happy about. And, yeah, in moments of, you know, when we're not winning games, those are the things that you've got to look to and go, you know what, I put my mind to something and I've, I've smashed it and I've accomplished that. So um, it's all about improvement and working out where you've got to go and, and, and putting your mind to it, really.
6: We, we can't wait to see, Savs, what the future holds for you, not just in terms of the little red riding hood outfit, but, uh, <laughs> but whether you make it to another club next year or if you stay at the Brisbane Lions, how it all pans out. So, um, either way, we'll keep an eye on things. Thank you so much for joining us on the Outer Sanctum, Sabrina Frederick
8: Traub. No problem, girls. I always have time for you, ladies.
3: Katie, it would be remiss of us to have you in here and not ask you for your tips today, <laughs> given that you've been the most up close and personal with these teams that are yep. playing today. Who do you like out of Frio and Carlton?
1: Given we played Carlton last week, they were good. They were, mm. they were solid. I think Frio, I actually think that they just have a, a running style game. They're, once they get, like I said, out the back, they're, they're really hard to stop. I do think that Frio might get up.
3: Adelaide versus Geelong yeah
1: we talked about it before I think Adelaide is is strong and, and you know we beat them in the first round um, I'm not sure how we, we just did we played Good footy and
5: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <laughs> points or something, yeah, they, so they that did helps. they did
1: they probably lost the game or <laughs> so but um they're playing an incredible brand of football they're very tough there's a number of girls within their their mid to, to low tier that have performed this year and I think that's what it's all about it's not just about your superstars standing up it's about those tiers mm. really playing their role.
3: It's so true. Mm. Um, it's lucky that you tipped Adelaide because um, Adelaide Crows, <laughs> aficionado and number one <laughs> super fan, and Pipos, has just walked into the studio. Oh,
5: good timing. Good timing. <laughs> and
3: you've been spoiled being an AFLW Crows fan. There's a, it's a really important moment for the Adelaide Oval and the Adelaide Crows women's teams.
5: Oh, this is huge. First uh, time on the Adelaide Oval. And the Adelaide Oval has this wonderful history and so many people here don't know about it. But the suffragettes, back in the late 1890s, had some of their secret meetings at Adelaide (laughs) Oval. I mean, how good is that? So it's like... It means so much to me. It's about more than football, as we know, and to get on the big stage, finally, is just huge. So I'm really excited and I think we'll win as well. (laughs) Of course you do. I have to say how many times in the last week,
3: especially in the last, you know, 72 hours, I've referred to your book, uh, Breaking the Mould, (sighs) and it's actually amazing to look around the faces in this studio right now and go, this is, Lisa Caddo was just banging on the window outside. We've got Shiloh Curtis and (laughs) (laughs) Pippos, Katie Brennan, of course, my amazing sisters from the Outer Sanctum and Tessa Armstrong, who is our producer and the most amazing football brain going around. I feel very well loved in an AFLW female footy hug right now. Are you feeling
5: the same? Absolutely. We're on our way. You know, let's not focus on anything negative. You know, we're on our way. The genie is out of the bottle. She's not going back. And um, this is a great time, a great time of celebration, and that photograph captures uh, a very important moment in our history. I do need to thank Shiloh Curtis. Um, we'll get you
3: back next week, my dear friend. You've been amazing <laughs> throughout the season. Thanks, Angela Pippos. Good luck with the show, Katie Brennan. Thank you so much yeah. for your support always of the Outer Sanctum and for coming in today. Congratulations on a great season. We're going out with the seasonal song for the <laughs> AFLW end of season. It's the song that we love so much.
1: Go Go goody. Goody.
5: Yeah.
1: We'll